going on boys and maybe maybe girls i don't think so though why is there somebody with a john paul hurley with a mustache picture unless it's not john paul hurley diana diani 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 I don't know who Diani is, but that looks just like Hurley with a mustache. I'll take a picture of this for Hurley. All right, um, we'll get rocking here. Um, can you guys? Can everybody hear me? I don't know. I've never used this before, so hopefully. Uh, everybody can hear me. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, Shane. So um, I guess I'll just start at the top. There's a lot of good questions. Um, there's some selfish questions in here uh, from a few of you guys. But um, I mean, the first question we got. Uh, so I'm. He did say please. So I guess I could. I think with the Rojo situation. Um, He's an interesting case where I think what his production is uh, relative to the work that he's actually getting is actually pretty good. My concern with Rojo is does he ever become the guy that's going to get over 60% of the workload? And this year, although he looked good, it was still a 60-40 backfield. Um, and it was just inconsistent from a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, he started taking control of the offense kind of before he got hurt, but it was still not enough to say, okay, this guy's going to be a future RB1 moving forward. I think he's, I think Rojo's a guy that will always have that, and not always, for the next couple of years, have that, you know, second round value uh, in Dynasty, and he's a guy that you don't really feel comfortable holding through the off seasons, um, but he, I don't think he'll go away easy either. You know, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, Fournette to me seems a little washed. So I think Keyshawn Vaughn and Rojo um, will be the guys in the backfield next year. And I think it's probably going to be, once again, similar to what we had this year where it's 60 40. Um, unless Keyshawn Vaughn completely falls flat, um, but he did show some spark. So my, my bet is I don't think Rojo will be a. <laughs> I think he's legitimately a solid running back. I think his yards per, you know, his yards created per touch is really, really good. Um, he looks a lot better than he did last year, so the improvement is there um, in all facets. Uh, but Arians is a guy that you can't really trust to say he's going to give Rojo ninety percent of the work. So I think he's going to be an RB two next year. We'll see what happens the following year, what the coaching staff is like, who's in the. I mean, there's so much can change. So I, I can't say he's going to put up RB1 numbers next year, uh, but I can say he'll put up RB2 numbers. And, and I'll give you this. I'll say high RB2 numbers um, for Rojo next year. Um, when it comes to uh, the running backs to buy low, I never buy low in the offseason on any running backs. Um, I think Mixon might be the only running back that I could say, okay, I can see somebody buying low on Mixon, um, but it's still relatively expensive for running backs. I just don't trust them uh, on a year-to-year -year basis. So much can change via the draft, um, and it's just not it's just not worth it for me. Any running back that we feel is safe uh, may not be. 
So I think Mixon's a hell of a talent. I think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. Uh, and I think he's very undervalued in Dynasty just because the offensive line has been so bad and now he's been dealing with some injuries. But he's probably the only guy that I can think of that I would actually buy um, in Dynasty as a running back. And I wouldn't love it. It would be a team that I feel is a one running back away. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my guy. And I'd probably try to get him for a – if I'm at the draft and there's nobody that I really love – actually, it almost doesn't matter. Late in the first round, I get it. It's a really deep draft. But we know what Mixon is and what he could be. Um, hopefully with a healthy burrow, hopefully they show up the line in the draft and don't go Jamar Chase at five. Um, so I would say mix in for a late first. I would try to do mid first is where we start. It's, it's dependent. So late first, I would almost automatically do unless they draft somebody. Um, but mid first is probably where I start saying, okay, maybe. And this is just from a guy that doesn't like buying running backs in the off season. So, I'm purely trying to go with, is it worth the transaction, even if it backfires? And late first is where I'm like, okay, it's worth the gamble. Um, is Zeke a panic or opportunity? Uh, Zeke's been a panic for me. He was my number one sell in the offseason um, going into 2020. Uh, he got a fat contract. Uh, he's, a, he's a Chick-fil-A guy. You know, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy, and I know what Chick-fil-A can do to you if you eat a lot of it. And I think we're starting to see that with Zeke. Uh, he got his fat contract. He, he doesn't strike me as a lunch pail guy. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to go grind. Um, so I was always concerned with the off the field stuff, getting the contract, even with like the whole, you know, just going out and partying during the COVID thing. The guy in, it's not like it's a COVID, the issue is with COVID or not COVID and so on and so forth. It just seems like, I don't know if he's as dedicated to the craft as, other elite running backs and giving him a guy like that, a big contract almost seems like he's made it, doesn't need to go grind. And that's just kind of, there is really no basis outside of seeing the culmination of what Zeke has been like off the field and then getting paid may, gives me that, you know, that decision to say, okay, he's my number one sell. He's at the highest he's ever been. We dealt with Zeke's floor. He bottomed out with the whole nip slip thing at Mardi Gras. And now he, he's back to being a top five dynasty running back. And he just got paid. Time to move him. Like that's is the best opportunity to move Zeke. And at this point, his value has come down a little bit. Um, so I, I wouldn't say he's, I would be trying to, This is hard because I don't know if anybody really wants Zeke because they're afraid. They're afraid of what they saw to Tony Pollard. So I think it's going to be a league-by-league league situation here. Now where you're coming into draft season, I don't think it's the right time to be moving a high-profile name because I don't think Dynasty owners are going to be looking for high-profile names. They're going to be looking for you know young, upcoming assets, specifically picks. So if a league mate sours on Zeke as we get closer and closer to the draft when we're talking about buying these running backs I would be looking to buy these running backs at the draft so if you're a big fan of Zeke if you're a big fan of Mixon, you're a big fan of any running back and almost any player in general 
if you get to the draft and a player wants a draft pick uh, that you're on the clock at, let's say 106, 107, and somebody reaches out to you and is like, I want 106, 107, and you look at their roster and you see Zeke and you want Zeke, that's when the conversation should start. Because Zeke's value will undoubtedly be reduced in that person's eyes because their focus is now on the draft pick. Zeke is now a secondary priority. So it's all about timing. I wouldn't be buying Zeke or selling Zeke right now. Um, I'd sell Zeke as we get closer to the season because that's when Zeke is going to be more filling a need for, for a team. And I would be selling Zeke, or excuse me, I'd be buying Zeke during the draft if I wanted him. Uh, for me, I'm not touching Zeke at all. Even with his discount, he could bounce back, but it's just not worth the risk for me to let somebody else pay the premium. Um, what's your hot take? I think it's too too early for a hot take. Um, and I don't know what a shoey's bet is. I guess a shoein'? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, I, I don't really have a hot I had a lot of hot takes going. I, I don't want to say hot takes. I'm not a hot take guy. I'm a bold prediction guy. So I usually make those bold predictions, uh, you know, a couple weeks before the season once I kind of see how things kind of play out. Um, just a little bit later, um, I think Gabe Davis is the number one dynasty player. I, I, there would probably be a hot take or a uh, bold prediction for Gabe Davis as we get closer. And this is assuming that the that the industry doesn't shift and uncover that he's supremely undervalued um so i don't really have a hot take for you right now that usually takes and i don't like hot takes in general I like the bold prediction so uh check back on that nothing on top of my mind uh this is this is a really good question as bad as the first question was or the first request was um acres assembly is uh i like i like acres by the way um Came with a really good question, something I've really thought about. Uh, San Fran and the Kittle, Ayuk, Debo uh, conundrum. The way that the offense is right now, I don't know how they can feed all three of them and retain their dynasty value. That's, uh, that's a, I think Kittle is one. I think no matter what, Kittle is locked in. And if I'm talking about the best the best, I guess, the, the most talented of the three, it's Kittle, and then it's Ayuk, and then it's Debo. And I think the gap between Kittle and Ayuk is closer than the gap between Ayuk and Debo. Um, I think I think Ayuk is a legitimate, um, legitimate low-end wide receiver one. Um, I just don't know if he ever gets to that in San Francisco in the way that they – Kind of grind. They're kind of the old school Baltimore Ravens type. You know, win with defense, grind teams out. And I think a lot of it has to do with Jimmy G is pretty limited. Um, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. So unless San Francisco finds a new quarterback, I just don't see the offense changing. You know, they're going to try to put Jimmy G in situations where he's getting one read, one read uh, passing situations, um, and just get the ball out quick and run the ball and just try to beat teams. The grind it out method. Uh, so I, I think Kittle's the safe one. I think Ayuk. Uh, I think Ayuk replicates what he does when he's healthy this year. I just don't know how much ceiling we see at Ayuk, especially with Debo there. And this is assuming that all three are healthy, which hasn't been the case. 
uh, Ayuk actually, my bold prediction for Ayuk was uh, I didn't realize that the class would be as good as it was with the whole COVID situation. But my bold prediction that Ayuk would lead all rookies, all rookie wide receivers in, in points. Uh, and I think he came second or third, uh, and a lot of the due to the injury, but per, per game, I think he was second. So I, I love Ayuk. I think he's going to be a great player. I just don't know what his ceiling is on a week-to-week basis. So I would be aiding Debo out of the three, but when you look at the values, Kittle and Ayuk have significantly more value than Debo because he's been hurt. So even though I'm fading Debo in terms of points scored, I don't necessarily know if it's worth fading him in Dynasty because he ain't that cheap. You can probably come around draft time. You can probably get Debo for a second. Um, so that's something that I would con- highly consider. Um, so I, I like all three, uh, but I think it's definitely Kittle, Ayuk, uh, Debo, and there's gaps, a bigger gap between Ayuk and Debo than there is Kittle and Ayuk. I've got a couple questions, comments. Let me just make sure. Yeah, uh, Shoeys is betting some, betting some a shot out of a shoe. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, does that mean you spend most offseason selling some running backs on your teams? I try. Um, just to kind of go back to that um, running back conversation, it really depends on the league. You know, I'm in 15 leagues, um, and I know people do more. I, don't, I just don't know how. I, I'm overstretched at 15 to do them all well. Um, so I really only focus on 10 per, te- 10, 10, per, 10 per season, excuse me, and I kind of fade five of them in a sense uh, where I don't really – I feel like they're good enough to just kind of do their thing and I rarely check on them. Um, so it really all depends on the leagues. Like I'm going to go – sure, I'm going to go shop, you know, try to shop some of these running backs, but I will wait until – if I'm really worried about a running back losing his job via the draft, um, I will sell them, and, and it really depends, too, on the high-end versus, you know, like the, the Montes of the world are different than the Derrick Henrys of the world. Like, I don't see Derrick Henry getting competition. They just paid him a fat contract. He's an absolute monster. He doesn't need to be spelled. They have a couple guys that, can, that they can put, plug in with, you know, what they did with McNichols and what they did with Evans that can spell him when he needs a breather or on third downs passing situations so a guy like henry i wouldn't worry about selling him before the draft because i don't think the draft changes his situation um where you look at guys like what maybe not monty maybe james robbins is a good example jacksonville comes in they um uh they go to the draft they they draft trevor lawrence which uh, almost seems like it would be a shock if it wasn't and then they start messing around with the pieces around him to give him the best team possible. They draft a running back. Do they give James Robinson competition? Do they bring in a running back via free agency? So a guy like James Robinson is a guy that do I think that he's a starting running back next year? If I were betting, I would say yes, but we've been surprised before and I don't want to hold that equity on my roster. So I would look to be moving guys like, you know, James Robinson, Monty, um, even though Monty showed really well, but I don't know if it's well enough to say they're not going to bring anybody else. And plus, Cohen's coming back next year, so he's going to get every touch possible. He's going to get ninety percent of the workload next year with Cohen back. You no, know? so you're kind of selling high on Monty in a sense. So it, there's a couple. 
it's such a tough question to answer because it's so league dependent and so player dependent. But I will put it to you this way. If you feel like a running back is going to get replaced or has a potential to be replaced, I would try to move them or a competition. I would try to move them before that happens. Um, so that's the, the running back talk. It's actually probably the hardest thing to, to work is when to sell running backs, what timing and which running back. So I think that's something that you're going to have to feel out over time. Uh, what do you think your edge advantages in dynasty leagues? How do you shore up an area that you think you're weaker at? Uh, man, uh, I would say like the, the critical thinking of it. Um, I, I put no bias in anything I do. in dynasty. I don't care if I love a player, not hate a player. Um, the only thing I focus on is what opportunity can I get between buying and selling this player or, you know, uh, kind of going with this strategy. Um, it, I view I view Dynasty similar to I, as I view a lot of things. Like I, I feel like just because we play fantasy football doesn't mean that if if you put ten people in a room, all right, and you had them spend a a thousand hours on Dynasty fantasy football, they won't all come out with the same skill level. There will be guys that are good, and it's, and there will be guys that are really bad. And so it, it's it, a lot of it has to do with the way that you approach the the critical thing, the, the biases, the emotional side of it, um, just not seeing the bigger picture. You know, I try to take everything to, and uh, somebody asked this question, so I'm, I, I might as well knock it out uh, in one opportunity here. Uh, film versus analytics. So many guys out there are trying to do uh, film, and they rarely take the analytics. They just do the eye test. And then you got the analytics guys that don't even watch anything. And it's like you have two data, you have two data points, you have two buckets of, and this isn't just like one data point. You got data points, you know, sub data points in a sense, with both sides of these. And the fact that you're not using them is kind of a disservice to not only yourself and your fantasy teams, but the individuals that follow you. Um, there's a lot of good information, information to be had on both sides and neither side is, has done enough long-term to prove that their side is the top side. So I came in as my big, I'm not an analytics guy. Like I just don't have this, like the spreadsheet talent, so on and so forth. So I've always been a guy that, tried to watch as much as I could and just try to gather as much information as I could via that way. But, and I let the analytics guy do the analytics and I take that and I try to say, okay, do the analytics match what I saw? Yes or no. And then if I see discrepancy is when I start to almost analyze and try to figure out, okay, what's the issue here? So, I mean, that's a couple, couple of reasons, a couple of advantages that I have edges that I have. And I just try to be a step ahead. Um, and my, I think my strategy on top of it too, uh, I, I try and, you know, in all my leagues that I've done, I don't do the same exact strategy in every single league. I try to change it up. Um, I will say if it's a, a league that are a high stake league or a league that I really want to win, I will do the strategy that I know that works the best, but I'm always trying new things because at the end of the day, um, even a guy that's been doing it for as long as I have, you know, the 15 years that I've been doing it, um, there's always 
strategies to, I'm always adding things to my, to my strategy. And I think a lot of people get fixated on, this is how you do it. I'm going to continue to do it this way because I happen to win one time this way and this is the way. And I don't think that's the case. Uh, so that actually covers the next question. Um, who are the biggest buy lows? And how do you typically scout these types of guys? Okay, that's a good question. Um, biggest buy low in Dynasty right now, and it's not even close for me uh, based on value and upside, um, is Gabriel Davis. Yeah, Gabe Davis, uh, so the Bills in 2020, uh, 90% of their snaps, over 90% of the snaps, 85 to 90, I think. I, I saw this a couple weeks ago. Um, were, were three wide receivers on the field. So I look at that and say, okay, you had Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley all bona fide. They, they've been starters in the past. They're good players, good veteran players. Um, and Gabriel Davis, even when they're all healthy, was playing 60, 70% of the snaps. Uh, and this is a guy that came in into the NFL as more of a deep threat than he was a guy that's going to be able to. He's an outside the numbers guy, deep threat guy, big play guy. Um, and that was kind of what we expected his role to be. So as you go, and this is kind of answering the second part, how do you scout these guys? Um, it's how they're used on the field. If you watch the Bills, Gabe Davis has actually moved around the field, which is something that you want to see. So if Cole Beasley is out, if John Brown is out, you know, uh, where is he sliding in? And the answer is, I've seen him slide in just about everywhere. And once John Brown got hurt, he was playing 90% of the snaps. And that to me, from a 21-year-old rookie out of UCF and in, a, in an offense where there were three bona fide starters, veteran veteran starters that have been in the league that it's not like he's taking uh, a guy like Demarcus Robinson's job, right? Uh, taking his snaps. So I, I look at that and that's huge for me. Uh, so, and obviously another thing too, with that offense is from 2019 to 2020, uh, you look at the way uh, Josh Allen progressed and the, the amount of passes that those through in 2020 versus 2019, uh, it was significant, significant increase. And the way that Josh Allen's taken that stride, and if next year it's Diggs and Gabe Davis, I think there's going to be enough for both of them to eat. So I think he's the number one buy, and he ain't that expensive. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my that's a good question, and that's uh, hopefully a good answer. We'll find out uh, in 2021. Uh, we'll delete the recording if he completely falls flat. But I'd be surprised if he did. Uh, what 20% of your week to week ever gives you 80% of the results? Um, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I don't know how to answer that. That's a good question. Never, I've never actually thought about it. Let me, uh, I might get back to that one. Um, let me get back to that one. Uh, who are your who are some of your uh, must sells this off season? You're trying to capitalize off a strong finish in 2020 and turn that into profit. Um, another good question. 
Let me try to think here. Who would be a top sell? Um, I have a hard time with hanging on to these running backs at peak value. Um, I just, I think Kamara, and it hurt. It's tough to say this because Kamara is one of those running backs where he's not your typical. 20 carry guy, right? He's he's where he is in dynasty because he catches the ball. So I'm not as concerned with an Alvin Kamara as I am with like a Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, Minnesota, uh, and he's had durability issues dating back to college. He got nicked up this year a couple times. Um, I think Dalvin Cook might be a good cash out option. Uh, you get you you got the blend of a couple things. Uh, I believe he's going into age twenty six season, so this is where uh, dynasty owners start to sour on running backs and start seeing the age cliff. Like they see the horizon coming. Like okay, well, most running backs they're only good until you know the, the last handful of years. They've only been good till twenty seven, twenty eight at best, and then they start falling. We saw it with DJ, we saw it with Lev Bell, we're seeing it with Melvin Gordon. Even though Melvin Gordon had a low key better than um, he's given credit for season. But his value's next to nothing. I mean, you're looking at second round value of Delvin Gordon. Uh, so Delvin Cook is a guy that I look at his value plus his age, plus this year's production, plus the volume that he got, and I could see him struggling to maintain this value in 2021. And if he does, um, I think it was. It's not like you're selling Delvin Cook and you're getting nothing for him. Uh, you can be getting. You know, J.K. Dobbins plus, if you're a J.K. Dobbins guy, you can get, you know, DeAndre Swift plus. Um, you know, kind of shift your equity uh, into multiple pieces, if possible, uh, that can help shore up some other parts of your offense or uh, other parts of your team. So I think Dalvin Cook is probably a pretty good one, a safe, a safe sell. Um, other than that, I don't think anybody's – really overvalued that you're saying, okay, this guy isn't going to have a job next year. This guy's going to um, fall flat. I think it's a little too early. Um, I'll probably have a little bit more insight after the NFL draft and figure out who's going to struggle in 2021. Uh, but that's a good question. Um, nonetheless, uh, let's see here. Just a couple more messages coming in. So I'll just double check here. Um, Oh, Hurley's in here. Okay. Uh, what are you giving up for Gabe Davis? Um, I will give up. What I'd be trying to do is a second plus a piece. So I can get a second plus a piece for Gabe Davis. I'd be absolutely happy. And that piece could be something, something small, like a, um, like a player with mid second round value. Um, I guess somebody like. Like a Damian Harris comes to mind, something like that. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I, I've been I've been picking up a lot of Gabe Davis, and it's been a lot cheaper. But I think people are going to start figuring it out, especially if he pops off during the uh, during the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I would I would first start with a high second, see if you can get a high second in there. If not, mid second and a piece, um, and see if that'll work. But I, I wouldn't be giving first round value because at that point now you're not really getting that good by low 
Um, and even though I think that he's going to surpass that value in 2021, um, I've been wrong before. So it's just not not worth it. Second round, I can stomach it even if he doesn't doesn't pan out. Um, should be starting running backs on rookie deals and startups ahead of guys like Cook, Kamara, and Henry. Uh, yes. Um, I would be fading in startups. I would be fading, even though those guys this year were league winners. What we found out, and I did a little exercise actually with this. So, uh, Hurley and I talked about this on the podcast a little bit. Um, we noticed a lot of McCaffrey teams still made it to the playoffs, still got the bye, and still won their league. Um, I believe 11 out of 15 of my dynasty leagues, the team that had McCaffrey made the playoffs. Um, one, of those te- one of the teams that didn't make the playoffs was actually one of my teams. And the only reason I didn't make the playoffs was I had McCaffrey, I had Chubb, I had Sutton, I had Kittle, um, and I had another, and that, that was my, it was a, um, I'm missing one other guy. So my, my five best players, it was one other guy, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head now, my five best players got hurt. So if, and I, and I missed the playoffs by, by three points. It was, a, it was, um, I was like, ended up being three and 10, but I had the fourth most points and it goes by, um, the top three points and top three records. So I miss it by three points. So like, even with all of that and losing McCaffrey, I still almost made the playoffs. So like, I consider that team a still a successful team. If McCaffrey was out, I would have been just fine. So I look at when you're talking about Cook, Kamara, Henry, yeah, they won you leagues and they were absolute studs throughout the course of the season. But we've seen now, even with guys like Saquon Barkley, I mean, those teams were successful as well. Over half the teams made the playoffs with Saquon Barkley on their roster. So this is something that we can kind of take advantage of, um, fading the ages that we know that the Valleys are going to go south on, uh, focus on these young wide receivers that will sustain value longer, uh, and then figure out the running backs later. Um, So. Yeah, JT, Swift, sure, I'm good with that. I mean, obviously with JT and Swift, the difference between Cook, Kamara, and Henry is we know what the roles are long-term. Like, we've seen enough of them to know, okay, this is the roles that they have. When you look at JT, Swift, we kind of got an idea of what kind of roles they're going to have, but we have no idea. Like, we've seen so many role shifts throughout the course of the season um, where it was AP and then Swift. And how? why why is AP on the field now? Like, it was kind of like, Every snap that was taken, you didn't know who was going to be on the field. With Cook, Kamara, and Henry, every snap that's taken, you know who's going to be on the field or most likely going to be on the field. Um, and with Kamara and Latavius Murray, and before it was Kamara and Ingram, we got an idea of when Kamara would be on the field. And it almost didn't matter because he put up points regardless because of the way he scored fantasy points, which was receiving. So, yes, I, I would rather take – a receiver over the age of Cook, Kamara, and Henry going into 26, 26, and 27, and uh, and then take care of the running backs later with some of these younger guys. Um, oh, oh, my God, Gabe Davis on waivers. Jeez. Okay, maybe you don't have to give a second. Maybe I'm so high on him that I don't understand that no people don't like him. Try late seconds for, for Gabe Davis. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that's that's. I wish I was in that league. Uh, who's a veteran wide receiver that you would personally buy low on, older than twenty six? So this year was it was Jamison Crowder, um, and he just couldn't stay healthy. But when he played, he was a stud. Um, twenty older than twenty six is is basically. Oh, Adam Thielen was was another one for me. Uh, uh, my bold prediction this year, Hurley's in here. I think I said he was going to be top three or top five. I can't remember what he would what I said. Um, so Thielen might be another good buy low, and the reason for that is. He's 31. He's going to cost you a mid-second. If you're a contender, Adam Thielen should be a guy that you have on all of your contending teams. Um, he's going to be continually undervalued because Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one there now, right? Everybody's saying he's a wide receiver one there now. But it's 1A, 1B. I think Thielen is still the guy that Kirk Cousins relies on most, and we saw that throughout the course of the season. And they kind of, you know, exchange big games. But I think Steelen is safe for the next couple of years. The way he plays, he's under contract. Um, everything about Thielen seems like a guy that's going to be playing for a few more years. So I think he's a really good buy low for, for playoff teams. Um, and let me think if I have anything, anybody else... Um, it's over 26. That's a good buy low. Uh, more after the draft and as I kind of um, kind of analyze things for next year. Uh, but nobody's none of the 26, 27 year olds have really lost enough value yet to say they're low enough to where they're still um like a guy like for instance Cortland Sutton and Allen Robinson they're still top 50 assets but they're 27 they're going to continue to kind of decline in value just because of their age um so nobody in that you know 10 to 20 range where I'm like yeah maybe like a Cooper Cup is okay uh, I think he's a guy that's going to put up fantasy points but he's not going he's not a league winner he's just solid but I think Thielen is the guy, you know, going into his H31 season. I still think you get a two two really good seasons out of Thielen at least. And you probably have to give up mid to late second for Thielen all day, all day for me. Um, uh, Jarvis OBJ is interesting because if I'm giving up equity for, for an aging wide receiver, they better damn well produce and they better do it every 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 week. And with Jarvis and OBJ, they weren't doing it every week. And I'm not a big Baker guy, so I just don't, I just don't trust that offense on a week-to-week basis with Jarvis and OBJ. Um, I think OBJ might be a solid buy just because his value is so low. Um, Jarvis, we know what he is, and he's, he's never been a guy that you can flip. So he might be a guy that you can pay cheap bargain bin prices for, but you're still going to plug him in on a week-to-week basis, and you're going to be like, ah, damn, I really hope Jarvis produces. And that's what I try to avoid when I'm acquiring those aging players to help fill in my my uh, my gaps, um, which is why Thielen, to me, is, is the smart choice. Um, buy low or sell on rookie wide receivers that haven't fully popped. Um, I wouldn't buy low... I wouldn't... Sorry. I wouldn't sell on 
just about any of these receivers that you mentioned, Judy, Rager, Ruggs, Visca. With rookie wide receivers, um, you kind of make your bed in a sense. Uh, if you don't sell them while their value is still high, like all the four of those guys mentioned, their value is lower than, than, uh, than the season started. So I, I don't like taking the loss this deep into the season just because um, your market's going to be a lot shallower. Not everybody's going to want these guys. and be very specific guys that were fans of these guys coming out and still want them but are going to try to get them for super cheap. So I would kind of hold on to these guys, give them another year, and if it backfires, what you would have gotten, like maybe Ju Judy's the only one that you might be able to get a first-round pick for. But the fact that the season's over and we're getting into pick season, I'd be surprised if anybody's going to confidently go out and buy Judy for a first. Judy's interesting because if you pull him up on our trade calculator, he's probably in the 17, 18 range, 16, 17, 18 range. Let me actually check on that. Um, 17.8. So, which is right about a mid first. And the reason why he's so high is I view, I feel like um, actually it's like the one Oh nine, which is about right with Judy. If somebody's selling Jerry Judy right now, they're going to be wanting mid first or better to move Judy uh, in most cases. And most people buying Judy are going to want to buy him for a late first, early second. So I feel like Judy, there's a pretty big gap with the buy sell market for Jerry Judy. And obviously this is league dependent. So I'm kind of thinking about this from a, like a, an entire dynasty landscape, like the average league, there's a pretty big gap between the buy sell market for Jerry Judy. Um, I would be, I would be um, with Rager, Ruggs and Visca. Visca, I think is starting to um, become a little bit more expensive. You can try to be buying Visca for an early second. Uh, I would be putting those out. Because the Trevor Lawrence news is only going to continue to increase his value as we get closer and closer to the season. So that's something that I would be uh, somebody I'd be trying to see if I can get Visca for an early second for right now, or an early second for Visca right now, because his value will undoubtedly increase over time. Uh, Rugs and Rager, Hurley talks this a lot. Um, Philly, interestingly enough, isn't a wide receiver one producing team since Doug Peterson's been there. Um, they've kind of relied on on their tight ends and the running game and so on and so forth. And we haven't seen a wide receiver really get enough volume to be a high-end dynasty asset. That being said, it makes no sense to trade Rager and Ruggs because their value is so low. So just hold on to them, wait for them, wait for the season. Hopefully they pop a couple games and then move them um, if you don't like holding on to them. Let me go back to the other question before I get to this. Um, one of the 2020 rookie running backs just finished. Which one do you expect to have it? Okay, yeah. Let me get back to that one. Um, where did I end off here? Uh, keep one, trade one, cut one. Reek, Duke, and Evans. Um, keeping, keeping Tyreek. Actually, you know what? Yeah, keep Tyreek. Um, no, I'm going to keep, damn, this is hard actually. Shoot. Who am I cutting? Well, I kind of got to keep or cut the one with the least amount of value. So I'm cutting Evans. 
Um, so I wouldn't cut somebody with higher value. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Hopkins because I don't think I'll get more in trade for Tyreek. And I'm gonna trade Tyreek at at a premium. Um I can go either way with that one, but that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about it. I think right now trading Hopkins um, isn't the smartest bet. I think he's going to produce more on your roster for the next three or four years than he is going to get you in trade. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, with wide receivers, um, I'm I overemphasize the technical ability, which is why Jerry Judy was my wide receiver one. Um, I like the. I feel like just like the, you can't teach size and speed. I feel like the the receivers that come into the league with just elite route running and elite footwork and and just elite separators, I don't know if that's something that can be taught over time. But what I do know is we've seen a lot of guys that have come into the league that aren't. You look at Adams. You look at DeAndre Hopkins, you look at Larry Fitzgerald, you look at Anquan Bolden, you look at those types of guys. Maybe not – let's leave Anquan out for a second. Those three guys are still in the league producing right now. Obviously, uh, Adams and, and Nuke are still young enough. But um, those guys are going to continue to be studs as long as they don't get hurt until, you know, 33. 30. Their, their length of career is so much longer and i feel like when you're looking at it from a wide receiver scouting perspective from from a rookie uh perspective those types of players just i feel like those are things that necessarily can't be taught just like the speed and those other three guys that i mentioned they're they're coming in the league at four six i think adams might have been mid four fives uh, Hopkins was a four six guy. Uh, Fitzgerald was a four six guy, um, and th- they got it done just because of their technical ability. Um, and I and I I thought that way with Jerry Judy. I think with Judy, it's kind of maddening because I don't know. It seems like he's kind of not giving enough effort. I think it's an effort thing with Jerry Judy, like. Is he just annoyed with the offense that he's in? I mean, coming from Alabama, where your your team's always winning, everything's on the money, the offense is – Saban runs a well-oiled machine, and then going to Denver where you have Drew Locke, who's erratic, uh, a team that's struggling, throwing in Brett Rippon in there, um, and then just not having really high-end um, quality targets. I think he's kind of – I feel like he's starting to almost – not give enough effort, and that's a red flag for me. But that, those are the things that you can't tell with with receivers coming in. You don't know those intangibles. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say those are the big things for me. Um, is the is the footwork? I just don't think, just like you can't teach speed, I don't think you can teach footwork. But you can um, be a technical receiver and have a really high end role. But you can't just be a size speed guy with no technical ability, which we've seen several times with several receivers, which, it, uh, you know, Daryl Green Beckham, Stephen Hill, uh, Corey Coleman, um, all those guys are just 
one, the kind of just speed guys, um, DGB and Stephen Hill were size speed guys, and they just didn't pan out um, because of it. Uh, with the lack of real offseason 2020, uh, so breakout candidates for receiver or for rookies. Here's the thing, guys. So, um, I think any of the ones that haven't broken out. Uh, I think Darnell Mooney's uh, a good um, a good buy. Um, I think Mims is a good buy. I think Pittman's a really good buy. Um, guy like Cephas in um, in Detroit, Quintus Cephas is a, actually a really good buy. He's he's probably on waivers in a lot of leagues, and you can probably get a give up a fourth for him. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Galladay. You know, Cephas got at least two targets in every single game from weeks nine to 16 and it doesn't seem like a lot but this is a late flyer receiver coming into a coming into a team um with galladay and marvin jones as the one and two and amandola as the three with tj hawkinson at tight end and a, a solid run game and he's still garnering targets and snaps and i look at that and say well if galladay leaves next year and he takes that second step you know, he could be a guy that you could flip next year for more than what you invested, which is nothing. Um, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 21-year-old receiver uh, that was kind of, even when OBJ was healthy, he was still on the field. So I think DPJ is a guy that is next to nothing in terms of value, and it's a, it's a gamble worth taking. So all those guys, absolutely, I would be trying to acquire for, for dirt cheap. Um, Favorite analysts in football minds to follow and why? Uh, man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do this one. I would say I talked to Hurley about this a lot. Uh, it, it's hard to identify over Twitter who the. I can identify who the ones you shouldn't be following are. I have a hard time. You know, I, I will say the one guy that I'm really starting to like is michael lou i think his last name is lou um he's he's a i think he's he's newer to dynasty but he's got the critical thinking he's got the mind to eventually be a really really good dynasty player and i don't i've never been in a league with him but just the way he approaches things the way that he um the way that he thinks about his strategy and the way that he lays it out for his followers I think he's pretty solid. I, I don't know his Twitter handle. Hurley, if you're still listening, you, you know his Twitter, Twitter handle. Um, I think he's solid. Uh, TJ Calkins, um, I don't know his. I think it might be at TJ Calkins, uh, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. He's actually a really sharp guy. I've been in a, a couple of leagues with him. Um, when him and I go to trade, it's, it's always it's a marathon. It's like three days of going back and forth. We rarely ever get a deal done. Um, and he's just a sharp guy. Um, he's, he's probably, if I were to start a league and say, who's the one guy that, um, if I was on vacation for a few weeks, who I would trust to run my team exactly how I would run it and to make sure that it's in just as good of a spot or better moving forward, TJ would probably be the guy. Um, yeah, I mean, D Dynasty Rich from Di uh, Dynasty Rich is really solid. Um, uh, my co-host is always a stud. Um, we don't uh, we don't actually put together teams the same way, but I'll give him a shout out because he's my friend, uh, John Paul Hurley. Um, 
those are the ones that stand out in my mind that I say, yeah, those are the guys that I'd be following. Um, which skill position situation do you expect to change most in 2021? Um, anything you wise to speculate short invest in? Um, I don't know how this question, I don't know what the answer, what the intended answer is, like what you're looking for here. But I will say, um, the only the teams that I'd be investing in are the teams that you feel are going to be bringing in a quarterback to the team. So if I look at the Jets, I look at um, Jacksonville. Um, who else could be bringing in a, like a, a, another quarterback? I don't think it's no, nobody else in the top seven or eight. Um, essentially, I would wait. Outside of those first two teams, I would wait for the NFL draft until you figure out, okay, the, this team will likely bring in a quarterback or draft a quarterback, and that receiving core will get a bump. Hurley brought this up on the podcast. Um, every time a rookie wide receiver lands on a team where there's a quarterback that's currently there that isn't very good, um, the value increases, no matter what. And that's when you can decide whether you want to flip the player or not. I would be looking at the teams that you expect to draft quarterbacks. And I haven't really broken it down and seeing, okay, and a lot of that will change during the combine. So I spend less time on that aspect. We know the top end of the draft. So we know the Jets and the, and the, and the Jags, but there's other teams that might be doing it as well. Um, biggest complaint about calculators. Yes. Um, a calculator question. Uh, we don't get, you know, thankfully uh, we never, think maybe once a month we'll get a complaint about a player's value but it's usually somebody trying to trade a player and they're mad that they can't get more uh, i think uh, acres assembly you're asking this question i mean we might get hate mail from you because rojo isn't worth you know uh too too uh, early first because you want to move him right um uh the algorithm we don't we we tweak some things but we never we try to make it to where it's as accurate as possible. And with our calculator, it has nothing to do with our personal opinions. So we created our calculator, and I, I believe we're the only calculator out there that actually does this, is we essentially try to create what a daily ADP would be. So we, we look uh, to imagine we have uh, 100,000 leagues, and we take what we feel would be uh, the algorithm, what we feel would be the midpoint of every single one of those leagues, and that's where the player's value is between the buy-sell line. So if a player lands at 20, that means that somebody would want to sell him for value of, let's say, 25, and somebody would probably want to buy him for the value of 15. So on average, he comes out to 20. Um, and thankfully, I mean, we've been on Twitter, we're considered the most accurate. Um, uh, people say the best. I don't know what that means. So th that could mean a different things, but we've heard that we're the most accurate, which is exactly where we want to be. Um, I think there's calculators out there that give their opinions, which is totally fine, as long as you understand it's their opinion. Um, and our calculator is not trying to give advice. Where we started trying to give you advice was with our badges. So there are badges of analysts out there that their buys, you know, top buys, top sell. You know, we don't have top sells, but top buys. 
uh, or man's, they're man's coins. So like the analysts out there have man's, um, like, you know, Izzy's man's, Hurley's man's, so on and so forth. So you can say, okay, this is a guy that Hurley or Izzy would be buying. Um, for instance, uh, yeah, I don't remember what Hurley's was. Um, one of mine was Deontay Johnson. Um, before DeAndre Hopkins got traded, Kirk was one of my man's. Um, I can't remember my other one. I think I had two. I think I had one more. But those are the the things. With DTC, I would be just looking at it and saying, um, and somebody asked this question a little bit later. So what are your thoughts on the best way to use calculators? With DTC, how I'd be using it is just, if you're new, I would be using it to make sure that nobody's trying to fleece you and that if you accept the trade and you don't know what you're doing, the trade should be pretty damn close on the trade calculator because it's it's both, it's designed to help you. Um, there's just so many people that are new to Dynasty that just make trades, redraft type trades, and their team gets absolutely just destroyed. Uh, so we created it with that in mind. For veteran people like myself, how I use it, um, I use it to construct trades. So if I'm high on a player or if I'm low on a player um, and I want to either sell a guy or buy a guy, I will be using the trade calculator to say, okay, this is what I have in mind to send. I run it through the calculator. Okay, it's relatively um, relatively close one way or the other. So I feel comfortable making this, making this offer. Sometimes I'll come up with offers and I check it. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a little off. Um, so I try to try to make respectful offers via the trade calculator. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the whole idea is not everybody's, I mean, this is an average of all the, the players in all the leagues. This isn't a uh, situation where every single person is going to use the trade calculator. And if it says that they're, they have the advantage, they should be buying for that. That's, that's, that's horseshit in a sense. Um, I hate when people screenshot it. I'll never screenshot my calculator and say you should be buying uh, because the calculator says that you're winning by five points. Our calculator doesn't take um, the sub market. So every league is a specific sub market of the overall dynasty market. So you'll have leagues where DeAndre Hopkins is still valued as a top five dynasty asset. And you'll have leagues where nobody's going to touch him as a top 20 dynasty asset. But that's, that's, that's the sub market. So you're this, this calculator is just designed as a guide to help you come up with decent offers and to make sure the offers that you're getting are not outside of the framework of what the player's value truly is. Um, good question. Uh, do Twitter bio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I will say with our DTC, if we find something that's off based on our algorithm, um, and somebody brings it up and we put up a, put up a poll and it's one way or the other, we'll know that we need to make a tweak and we will adjust those players to make them accurate. Uh, your Twitter bio says you're the president of the Deontay Johnson fan club. Thoughts on 21. Uh, yeah. So DJ, um, I love Deontay. Um, but I think there is, I possibly, there's cause of concern for sure. Uh, Big Ben isn't going to be there forever. Um, and the way that their offense is, is they're trying to keep Big Ben healthy. So they're getting the ball out early. He's a phenomenal route runner. Uh, he's got tremendous footwork burst. He's going to get open. Uh, the reception thing, the fact that he can't catch is absolutely maddening. He's it's in his own head. He had these issues in Toledo. Um, but they weren't as bad as they were this year. I mean, he's dropping a lot of passes. That being said, the fact that he is so good at what he does up until the catch and then even after the catch, 
I think he's going to be a legitimate receiver for a long time. Um, I just, I'm concerned about who's the next quarterback. And, you know, I, I will say, even with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, he was getting touches last year. So as a rookie. So I, I still think he's a buy. Um, I don't think he's expensive enough to where you can fade him. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the guy's getting double-digit per-game basis. I think he led the league in in targets on a per-game basis. I have to double-check that. But I mean, volume is king for me, and and he's an absolute stud when it comes to volume. So, and I don't I don't think that changes because I think Big Ben's still the quarterback there next year. Uh, prospect profile: What do you value most? Dominating breakout age, spark. Um, good question. Breakout age, I think they're all important to some degree. I think breakout age is a pretty good one. Um, Dominator is more or less, I feel like it's who's around you. Um, Or breakout age, it's like if you're coming in as a freshman and you're balling out as a freshman, you're likely a really, really good football player. And hopefully with, with breakout ages, sometimes players break out and they just never really improve over time. Like they've, they've hit their ceiling in terms of potential. Uh, spark, not really, don't really, uh, we've seen it all with spark. Like you have spark freaks and you have guys that are terrible when it comes to spark and they, it just doesn't matter. I think breakout age is probably the one that I would say is the most valuable. Um, as a trend, do you find yourself likely to underreact to news performances? To, no, um, no, I'm, I'm very quick to shift. Uh, and actually probably one of the most, um, advantageous uh, parts of my, you know, I had mentioned critical thinking. This is a really big part of it for me. I shift quickly. Um, I, once again, I take bias out of every, try to take bias out of everything I do. Um, but this is something I wouldn't say the, gen- the, the general public should be underreacting, overreacting. I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time. If you haven't been doing it for a really long time, I would try not to overreact or underreact do your best to stay level-headed. Um, I overreact um, when I see something that just doesn't... I don't overreact based on stats. I overreact when I see something on the field that I'm saying no. And my greatest example of that was Bishop Sankey as a rookie. Um, I drafted him. I loved him coming out. Uh, I drafted him at 105 in my rookie league. Um, had a bunch of draft picks that year. And I remember it was like between Sankey and Ebron and OBJ. And I, I had two out of the three picks and I went with Sankey and, and OBJ and I left Ebron. And after the second preseason game, um, I sold Sankey. I saw it. And I'm like, yeah, this guy in it. And I, and I moved him. So that's what I mean, and I'm you know quick to overreact. That would be it. Um, James Robinson, I covered a little bit. How would you tier the 2021 backs? Um, this one's really tough. I think I think uh, Harris and ATN are right now um, in the top tier. Uh, 
I I need to see. I don't think this running back class is as good as people had hoped it would be. So I think there's a pretty big tear break between those two guys and everybody else. But Javante, I, I worry. I don't like the one year wonder type players. Um, it's possible that he's going to be an absolute stud. Uh, I wish I had more um, to see it from him. Uh, I will make a determination based on uh, after the draft. Um, for those guys, this is just so early. We have no combine. We have no draft where these players go and draft really starts to move my, um, move my tears. Um, pick value. How do you guys determine the value of picks, historical data, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's a lot has to do with that. And we kind of, at this point, pick value. And somebody asked this a little bit later, I think actually the next question, uh, Year-to-year pick value doesn't necessarily um, change based on the class that w- that preceded it. So I don't think the 2021 picks are going to be overvalued because 2020 went crazy. I think the pick values in 2020 were already really crazy because people are excited about the class. And I think that's going to be the same thing for 2021. So uh, I will say like the, 20, the, the 101 right now is ridiculously high. I think it might be a top 15 asset right now. Um, so... Yeah, and that's because the the community overvalues, maybe not overvalues, but is very high on Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I think twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one are going to be similar. Um, and I don't think it's because twenty twenty was so good. I think it's just because twenty twenty one is also looking really solid at the top, and it's got some really solid depth. How uh, do you sustain being a contender in dynasty leagues, especially if you use your rookie picks to improve your team in that area? Balance. Um, I try to make sure I got a couple of those veterans that I can uh, that I can rely on. Um, I always make sure that I go into every rookie draft with at least one first round pick, um, and that way I'm always either a replenishing my talent or b trading that pick for another young player that I think can kind of keep my team young and productive. So I think balance. Don't go over. I think the issue people have is they go way too young or they go way too old. Um, it, honestly, it, it's it's just right. You got to go just right in the middle. Have a couple old guys um, that are aging that you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to necessarily move. These guys are going to be the guys that I'm going to just have them die on my team. Um, and it's okay to have those guys as long as they don't dominate your roster. So, and specifically, if you have like one Devonte Adams and you hold on to him forever, I don't I don't hate it. It, it is what it is. Um, as long as you're not going all 22-year-olds, you should have some 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds in there uh, to give you that that sustained production. So I just kind of keep things – I replenish the bottom of my roster a lot to make sure that I'm getting some upside there. Uh, preference to stay contender, do you try um, – no, I actually hate I, – I never, I never rebuild. Um, the only time I've started to rebuild is all these strategies that I'm – trying have caused me to run into issues where I have a couple teams or I don't think I'm strong enough to continue to contend. So I'll kind of take a year off and and rebuild for a year. Um, my big thing right now is taking really, really bad orphans and trying to rebuild them. Like that's my, that's my favorite thing to do. I kind of get bored with the startups, having a startup, you know, doing the same thing. Um, if I'm trying to compete with, with the league, if, if I'm in a high stakes league or doing something where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to compete. It kind of gets boring doing the same thing over and over again. Cause I know it works. Um, I just like the orphan. I like the orphan. 
and the challenge of trying to build a contender from the dumpsters. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, I'll give 10 more minutes. I'll give you guys 10 more minutes. Uh, I think I got really the most effective path to completing a trade. Uh, this is a big one for me. Uh, really good question. I always, always, always say, tell somebody, hey, I'm interested in X player. Um, I do a couple different strategies. I'm interested in X player. Uh, take a look at my roster and tell me what players you have any interest in whatsoever. And if they give me a list of five or six people, then I try to put together a trade with those five or six players in mind um, for the player that I'm after. That's one strategy. I always try to, I don't like cold offers. I don't like, I don't like offering somebody cold offers just because I might be giving them solid value, but they might not like the guy. So let me find out who you like first, and then I'll put together an offer for you. So you're actually, so I'm not wasting your time or mine. Um, the other thing I like doing is if I'm really high in a player, um, but I know that they have three or four guys. This is actually a really interesting strategy. They have three or four guys on their team, like receivers, for instance. Uh, let's say I'm going after Gabe Davis. And they this team has Mims, Visca, Pittman, and Gabe Davis on the roster. Okay. And I say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in one of your young receivers. Uh, can you, in order, uh, who are your favorite receivers on your team in order from those four guys? So I'll give them those four guys. And most likely, Gabe Davis is going to be last. So I'll say, okay, um, I'll make an offer for Gabe Davis for a couple reasons. To them, they've already written out that he's the lowest on their list. So almost in some kind of weird way, they've devalued Gabe Davis, and it's like he's not that important. Just because they realize, okay, well, I got three guys better. So he's going to be less valuable to them. It's like this weird psychology with it. Um, it works. I do it all the time. Uh, you should try it uh, and see how, how it goes. Um, do I uh, leverage GTC? Yeah, I kind of, kind of mentioned this too. Um, yeah, without being, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't screenshot once somebody rejects a trade. If somebody says, hey, this is a horseshit trade, um, I would just send them a screenshot and say, hey, you know what? This is where the market is. If you may be higher on a player, I respect that but I didn't want to offend you, and here's why I sent you this offer, and that's fine. Um, where do you see DTC and Dynasty? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think as the DTC is a, or Dynasty is a very niche community in general. Like, you know, Hurley and I talk about this all the time. There's the conversion from fantasy to Dynasty. Um, it seems like it's the hardcore to the hardcore. Like, very few casual fantasy players jump into dynasty it's the guys that are in five or six fantasy leagues and now they want to take the next step so i think as dynasty grows you know apps calculators all the tools are going to continue to help these people just right now i mean you look at all the tools in the fantasy community just in general without dynasty tons of tools um and i think over the last few years i think five years ago Six years ago, DTC wouldn't have been a really successful business model because most of the people that were playing Dynasty were hardcore. They didn't need it. And we've seen an influx of new Dynasty owners that need the help. So I think I think tools, Dynasty tools are going to continue to thrive. Um, good question, though. 
Carson Wentz is a better player. Uh, some of the Eagles won for Wentz. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz is better than Baker Mayfield. I think Carson's, I think Carson's in his own head. Um, but as a as a talent, uh, it might be just I just don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't like the way he operates. I, you know, like I said, I try to be unbiased with this thing, and I don't think I'm being biased when I don't think Baker Mayfield like a really he's a front runner. He's solid, unspectacular, but for dynasty, um, I'd rather have Carson Wentz, and I know what his upside is. With Baker, I I still don't know. In five years, I have no idea where Baker's going to be. You know, with Carson, I know where he's going. He's either going to be a really good quarterback, or he's going to be a really like he's going to be nothing. But I think Baker might just be average. Like he just may be a very frustrating, you know, quarterback over time. Uh, but we've seen Carson Wentz ceiling, and I, I'd rather have that. Um, and, and Baker's more expensive in Dynasty, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be trading them straight up, but I would be buying Carson Wentz uh, on the cheap if I could. Um, I think I've got everything else. Let's see here. Oh, uh, one one of the rookie twenty twenty rookie running backs just finished top three in full PPR. Which one would you expect it to have? Oh, um, the twenty twenty running backs just finished. Top three. Freaking good question right here. Take a sip of water for that one. Um, I don't. Damn, dude. Really good question. So far, um, I'd say Swift or Taylor. I mean, Dobbins, I don't think – with. I just don't think the Ravens are going to give him enough. And the fact that Lamar runs a lot and, and scores – you know, he does the touchdown scoring two in the red zone uh, on the ground. Um, and the fact that they break things up in the backfield quite a bit. I I think personally it'll be – I think it'll be Taylor. Swift, I, I really like. I just don't know how de- what Detroit's going to be like next year. I don't know how good their team's going to be. I don't know if they go full rebuild. So I would say Taylor, um, but I don't love my answer. What is one's trade value? Would you move? No, I would not move a first for him. Um, I would be trying to move a maybe a mid second and a player, late second and a player. Um, let's see here. Uh yes. What is James Robinson value moving forward? That's a it's a pretty big question. You can look at it a few different ways. I kind of highlighted a little bit. Um, I would bet on James Robinson being the starter next year. I just one, I wouldn't love my bet, and two, I'd be hedging it. Um, I asked the skill position. Okay. Oh, what do you like moving for two or uh, Hertz? Um. Honestly, guys, um, weird to say this. I don't think um, I don't think Tua is it. Uh, I would not be surprised if Tua was not a starting quarterback in 2022. Um, I don't see anything that screams future stud at the position. Um, I'd be selling Tua pretty hard, especially if he finishes like with a decent season. Uh, at the end of the season, uh, in the playoffs, the 
I, I just don't I just don't see it with Tua. Um, I think Hertz has upside. I am worried about Hertz, especially. Okay, so here's a here's a un underappreciated part of young quarterbacks, especially mobile ones. Uh, they they get figured out. Um, Lamar Jackson's he got figured out. Uh, he's got to adjust. Um, Baker Mayfield got figured out. He's got to adjust. Uh, these young mobile quarterbacks will get once tape significant tape is put on them, they'll figure out a way to slow these guys down. And Hertz right now, like once they see, I mean, it happened with Kaepernick too back in the day. They'll get, they'll find ways to stop Hertz, and they'll find ways to stop Tua. And it's how these guys respond. But for me, Hertz. I still think it's figured out, but he does have a little bit more upside. I think he's got more arm upside. I think he's got mobility upside. Um, I think Hertz can be a top 12 dynasty asset. I think Tua right now is a top 12 dynasty asset. I don't know if Tua ever finishes a top 12 dynasty quarterback, though. But I think Hertz has a better chance than Tua, if that makes sense. Um, so in full disclosure, I own either – or. I own neither of these quarterbacks. So, once again, unbiased. But Hurts would be my bet over Tua. Who's my favorite Backstreet Boy? I I don't I don't know any other names. Um, but I do like the Backstreet Boys. Uh, I think they're I think they're a talented group. And every time I hear their songs, I sing them. But I don't know any of their names. Um, I I low key enjoy the uh, the boy bands. They're they're talented. Um, not the new boy bands, the old school boy bands, you know, when like the girls, like, you know, the girls love the boy bands and, you know, you were kind of like sour about it and, and super salty that, you know, they didn't love you back the way they loved the Backstreet Boys. I was like low key, like singing their songs. Like if I can sing their songs like them, maybe that could be like them and the girls will love me. But um, never got to that point. Uh, what book or books would you give as a gift to someone? Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't read books. Um, I wish I did, honestly. I'm just not a book reader. Um, Solar, I'm going to leave this one to you. Whatever book that you would give is, is what I would recommend. I just, I'm not a book reader. Um, I've always been a, an audio guy. I love listening to podcasts. Um, I, just don't read, I just don't read books. I think a lot of the reason why I don't read books is they force you to read so many damn books when you're so young, like growing up in school, that you're just like, you despise books. Like, I just hated books. Um, but I do love audiobooks and I love podcasts. Uh, do you take best player available in some cases? Uh, I, I do it. I do it based on tiers. Those are good question. I tier running backs and receivers. Uh, reading is cool. I, I honestly, I would love if my daughter grows up and is like a sick ass reader. I'm all for. It. I would love my daughter to be a reader. Um, I'm just not. I'm just not a reader. Uh, but reading is cool though. Just like. You know, boy bands are cool. Uh, do you take best play? Yeah, so um, I tier them. So I got running back one, tiers. I have wide receiver one, tiers, and then tier two, tier three, so on and so forth. What I've always done is if I have running backs in my wide receiver, or my running backs in my tier one, I will draft them before my receivers in my tier one. I will get through my running back tiers first in rookie drafts. Sometimes in some rookie drafts, there are no tier one running backs like for me like they're tier two running backs so i don't necessarily say my tier one is 
just my top tier. It's my tier one. These guys are actually tier one players. Um, so I do it a little differently. So if I have a tier two running back and a tier one wide receiver, I'm taking the wide receiver. And, and but wide or running back takes um, running back will trump in terms of my tiers. That's because historically speaking, running backs have less of a learning curve. They're more likely to start week one. Um, they're more likely to score fantasy points, and they have more value insulation. What purchase of $100 or less has most positive impact your life in the last six months or in recent memory? Man, that's a good question. Um, uh, I, well, yeah, uh, I, I, um, I got a really, a really nice bidet. I bought a really nice bidet. I've had bidets, but like they've been like the twisty bidets, like the kind of cold water bidets. They're not that fun. But my shoey for a hundred dollar purchase is a really nice bidet with with um we're talking about warm water, we're talking about drying mechanism, we're talking about the whole nine yards as a bidet. Um if you ever buy a bidet, you will feel that it automatically be a top ten purchase in your entire life. I guarantee it. <laughs> toilet boy punishment. I've never been in a league um, that has had a toilet bowl punishment um, in a personal league. So I've I have no idea, but I have seen some ones on Twitter. I just can't remember them. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm open to ideas, but I've just never been in a league that does toilet bowl punishment. So uh, I I think I answered. I think I answered all the que- I think I answered all the questions. I'm not 100% sure, but I went through it. Did somebody put put up Michael Lou's um uh profile or uh everything on uh, one new message. No, I think we're I think we're really good. Uh hopefully I you know answered the questions you guys are liking. Um I've never been in a format where I'm just kind of going through and rattling off all these answers and I didn't really prep for this. So, um I think if I had more time to sit through and prep and, and write all these down, I might be able to give better, more distinct answers. But uh, yeah, you can uh, you can follow me at DTC underscore Izzy. I'm guessing some of you guys already do. Uh, you can listen to our Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast. Um, it's just called Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast because we're ridiculously uh, unoriginal. Um, and then, yeah, uh, hit me up anytime. Always happy to help. Uh, you guys ever want me back on here? I actually really love this format. This is something that I've wanted to do on like a Periscope type um, session. Uh, I, I I do this more often. Uh, I do this every couple of weeks. I just love uh, this Q and A and just rip through as I can because I hate doing it on Twitter because I have only 240 characters to get what I'm trying to get out. So uh, I love it. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. And um, yeah, uh, let let me guys let me know when you guys want me back. Cheers.